Hello and welcome to Newspeak. I'm Peter Whittle. Uh, Newspeak being the weekly look at the news agenda. I'm joined here, pleased to say, as usual, by Rafe Hadelmanku and Dr. Philip Kisley, our senior fellows. Rafe is obviously a broadcaster and historian, and Dr. Philip here is from Leeds University. Uh, we're going to be talking about last week's record immigration figures and also about the events in Ireland, which are sort of linked in many respects uh, to that. But before we do that, uh, we went last week on Sunday to the big march, which was organised by the campaign uh, against anti-Semitism. Um, it got a fair amount, actually, of media coverage, oh. I would say, actually. Philip, what was your impression of it? I mean, as, as overall... Well, it got some media coverage on, on the Sunday, but it was dead by the Monday. Um, so it, it yeah. just... Nobody bothered with it on the Monday. My impression of it was... I thought it was extraordinary. Uh, there were upwards of 100,000 people. I think it was reported 105,000 people there. Bearing in mind the, the Jewish mm. population of this country is 200,000, uh, yeah. between 200 and 300,000. So a, a fantastic turnout, um, incredibly peaceful, um, very um, good spirited. There was no, no masks? No masks, no anti-Muslim sentiments, no even mention of terrorism that I could see really. It was, it was just about bringing people home. Um, and there was actually quite a lot of optimism there. Mm. I, I, I sensed a, 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 mm. a kind of optimism because Jewish people were marching, marching with non-Jews and there was a shoulder-to-shoulder -to -shoulder togetherness which I thought was just fantastic mm. and and that atmosphere just was was right there throughout um, the whole day. Yeah. Uh, 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 Boris Johnson I, was at the top there. How mm. do you feel about that? Well I saw him there. Um, well I didn't see him on the march afterwards, which I found even more interesting. He actually showed up for, actually, the, true, for yes. the photo op yes. and then he disappeared, so mm. he couldn't even be bothered to do the actual march with everybody else. But, uh, I mean, the BBC first said that there were 60,000 until the police said actually there were 120,000. Yes, so, 120. so the BBC had to double their estimates. Mm. Normally, um, you know, they, they're, they're, I've never seen them underplay something so much, which is quite interesting. But yes, it was the stark contrast between mm. the Saturday mm. marches and between this march on the Sunday, a very positive atmosphere, as Philip said. Uh, no one felt intimidated. There was yeah. no antisocial behaviour. There was none of that aggression or that mm. tinderbox that you felt everyone was going. No flares being let mm. off. No one climbing scaffolding. And there were four times I heard "God Save the King." Mm. There was a respectful mm. pause at the cenotaph, and we were fortunate to be right at the front, so we got to see where there was where there was singing and so forth. And Union flags were fluttering alongside Israeli flags and others. And I thought, well, isn't that just a simple demonstration that they're actually proud to be British mm. as well as being concerned for things elsewhere? And, you know, why couldn't the other marchers have done something similar? More disturbingly was the age difference, in fact, in the fact that this was a, a lot older than the Palestinian marches had been. Uh, again, an indication of the direction mm. in which this country is going. Mm. I think, yes, it, although it looked quite intergenerational. Oh, there was yeah, a lot, there were a lot of young people there, yeah. but, in, but it was, the, the younger, the Palestinian marches were a lot younger in general. Yeah. Yes, I think, I mean, the, this thing of uh, singing the national anthem as well, uh, we have to remember that actually prayers are always said for the royal family in synagogues, huh? you know, yeah. and uh, national anthem is, is uh, always sung. Uh, there was one thing that came out of it which the press obviously just flew at mm. and that was that Tommy Robinson went along mm. um, and in fact where we were standing when we first arrived which was he was actually in this coffee shop 
just opposite us. Mm. And he was just in this coffee shop. And I think from what I could see, you can tell if I'm wrong, they just waited, the police just waited for him to come mm. out and then pounced on him. Now, you know, the fact is, is that always people say this, you know, whatever you think about what Tommy Robinson says, etc. To say it was heavy-handed, I think, is an understatement. It's a complete understatement. I think there were about, what, 30 police officers yeah. who manhandled him, pepper-sprayed yeah. him right in the face, dragged him away. Um, he'd done nothing wrong. It was, it, mm. was, it was just because he was Tommy Robinson. If he would have been anybody else, it would have been perfectly okay. That is, that is no kind of policing. That is no kind of justice. Um, that's just intimidation. And, of course... The week, uh, the day before, actually, with the uh, with the marches, there were uh, uh, banners with blood libels on. There was chanting from the river to the sea. Mm. There was open anti-Semitism. Nothing, nada, not a single thing. Mm. So it's this two-tier policing that we we talk about constantly, and very specifically for him, it's a bespoke kind of policing where he's not even allowed to walk the streets. Because apparently, the the point is actually is that he was there, but the organisers had asked him not to be there. That was, the, that was their so. excuse, wasn't Even it? So. And the important thing was, he also said he was there as a journalist. Mm. So this actually yeah. was an attack yeah. on free speech if we're actually mm. going after members of the press or a journalist mm. in some capacity. Yeah, but however you want to look at it, Tommy Robinson was treated abominably oh, by the police. Yeah. I mean, 27 police guarding, mm. guarding this area, pepper spraying him so close in the face. Utterly appalling, particularly as you say, when we've had people calling for Muslim armies to mm. rise up mm. as police stand idly by twiddling mm. their thumbs, watching all of this, watching people scale our monuments and doing nothing about it. Mm. The, the overreaction on this level is yet more incontrovertible evidence of two-tier policing mm. existing yeah. in this country. And of course, it just undermines trust amongst the great British public when yeah, they see this clear... Oh, there is none. No, there is none. And we've talked about on this programme time and time mm -hmm. again. Um, but that, you know, the, the request from the organisers for him not to turn up is just a request. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's, he's, he's perfectly entitled to walk the streets with other people and he's perfectly entitled to join the march, whether they want him or not, actually. And he wasn't actually marching, let's just say. No. You know, he never got into the march. No. Yeah. Well, yes, the, the reports were saying he wanted to be at the, try to get to the top of the march. I don't even think that was true. No. Uh, I mean, I, have no, I don't know what the basis for saying that is, no. actually. But I mean, you know, as you say, we've talked about it a lot. Um, it's been one of my bugbears because mm. I think the police are the sharp end of enforcing the law. Mm. Right. Now, if they are as basically as compromised and as corrupted as they appear to be now, and I think they are, then, you know, I think it's really dangerous mm. actually for the future and we've seen that again as well in Ireland actually mm. in a way because obviously what happened there as you must know obviously by now is that uh, there was a stabbing by mm. an Algerian an Algerian immigrant uh, people here I don't know in Britain are they aware quite the you know extraordinary amount of migration has been into Ireland I'm not sure that they are so aware but what's hap what happened there is that there was this riot uh, yet sure there was looting and everything like that but it it was basically what was so appalling about this was that the um, Leo Varadkar you know, he's the Prime Minister effectively of, of Ireland um, essentially just concentrated on the reaction, didn't he? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the actual thing. I, th I think what happened was the narrative plays itself out, doesn't it? And the narrative in this instance inserted itself 
immediately. So the the perpetrator just was vanished, you know, the, the protagonist in this whole thing. And I think there were three children, five and six, stabbed. Mm. Yeah. So teacher. that just completely goes. And then it becomes this far-right narrative which is played out and it's the same thing that plays itself out time and time again and there were questions about about the perpetrator is is he a uh, uh, is he an immigrant or isn't he is he algerian mm-hmm. isn't he and then that you know this obfuscation there that makes it a whole lot worse but the prime minister was then saying oh well these people are radicalized because they're seeing stuff online so we need to put these uh, this this mm-hmm. hate bill through and of course, that's not true at all. They're seeing what's happening on the streets of their cities. They're seeing massive demographic change. They're seeing their culture eroded. They're seeing violence to women and children. And of course, people are going to re- react. They wouldn't be normal if they didn't. I mean, the liberal elite love it when people like Tommy Robinson yeah. come out or when we saw, we saw the reaction in Ireland because it immediately lets them avoid addressing the real issue. Well, there's almost and a be- sigh of relief, well, isn't well, it? Well, oh, we could go far had, had those riots not happened in Ireland, there would have been a reckoning on this issue yeah. of mm-hmm. migration because it's such a live issue. It's actually more, it's becoming more pronounced in Ireland even than here because mm-hmm. of the levels of immigration where I believe one in every five Irish people mm-hmm. now is an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had 140,000 people arriving last year. This is in a country with 50 million, yeah. which equates to double. It's, it's like us having 2 million gross immigration mm-hmm. they've had essentially last year. And when you get to that level, you do, have the, you do have growing tensions. But the problem is, in Ireland, unlike here, they don't have something like the Reform Party or UKIP. Mm-hmm. They don't have anyone or GB News. They don't have any outlets. So whilst the population feel just the same way as ours, mm-hmm. There are no safety valves to let off any of that steam and anger. And there's a growing feeling in Ireland, at least, that this disconnect is wider than anywhere. Canada and Ireland are in a dead heat for getting the gold medal in the Woke Olympics. You see, I I couldn't help feeling when I saw him speaking, Leo Varadkar, that uh, when he spoke about the uh, people who rioted, it it was such malice. Mm. He spoke about... If you ask people on the street who they hate, they hate you, right? They hate you. And I sort of felt, I couldn't feel, you know, basically what you might call working class people Mm. are now public enemy number one almost, aren't they? Mm. In almost any Western society? I mean, I'm not, I don't know that they were all working class. I suspect many of them were, but basically when even you get a group of, uh, young working mm. class white guys together, what do they think? They think fascists. Mm. That's the first thing they think. Well, it's just the same process that works itself out in every one of these places, whether it's, whether it's Britain, whether it's the States, whether it's anybody else. And it's the indigenous population is being othered. Um, and, and that, so, so they are, they, be, they become the villains of the piece. And all they're doing is reacting to all of the things that I said before, this incredible change and violence Uh, physical violence but also sexual violence as well because there's often an undercurrent of sexual violence from let's have it right hordes of young men who are coming into countries Mm. illegally and legally who are you know under 40 and and from cultures that treat women as possessions and 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 sexual playthings. and what's most outrageous is the fact that they're now using this in Ireland as an excuse to put forward Mm. these draconian anti-hate laws, which are so scary. I mean, these are the most draconian laws in the world being put forward. We're just having on your phone, if I send you a meme, just possessing a meme, which 
may be deemed to be in some way racist or xenophobic, mm. you can be arrested. And it's the inclusion of xenophobia. It's not just racist content no, and who defines what racist is. Mm. It's also xenophobic content. Mm. And what's deemed to be xenophobic? Complaining about the number of immigrants who are coming over to this country. So, you know, we're all guilty of xenophobia by that very loose definition of the term. It's a clear attempt to simply stifle conversation now. And you know how dangerous it is when you try to stifle conversation. But it's such an insidious idea being put forward. I really can't believe it's serious, but it is. It's also, uh, it's being left deliberately vague. Yeah, I mean, as as well. that's, the, that's the point. And, and, and one of the... One of the issues with this is it's it's not only possessing stuff, but preparing stuff as mm. well. So if you're putting together a meme, you are actively breaking this this hate law. The the stupidity of it, as as you've just said, actually, um, there is no public arena in which people can talk seriously, openly, and honestly about immigration. Rafe, you were, you were just saying that there's no GB news, but there, there is just no, there's no outlet for any of this mm. stuff. So then to add draconian hate speech on top of that is just the most ludicrous thing to do. So yes, of course, we're going to see much, much more trouble. And when we see trouble in one place, it spreads to other places as well. It's not just going to be in Dublin. It's going to be in Belfast, and, and, and there's going to be there's there's going to be more stuff in London too. And remember, we just had Varadka deliver a speech akin to that delivered by Hamza Useless, oh, You know, with oh. this uh, about there being too many white people in positions of power in Ireland. Yes. All right. Okay. But there's one thing about this, right? And people are, have pointed this out quite rightly. Why do people keep voting for them? Hmm. Why? This is, this is the thing we always ask ourselves about the Conservative Party, okay? But if you, if you think about him, the, the stuff that he said, not only about immigration, but also about the, uh, the little girl who's, who's just returned, who was, the, uh, who was a hostage yes, from Hamas, yes. okay? She said, he said she was lost. And okay? now found. Yeah? yeah, lost and now found. Right, he's a right-of-centre politician. Supposedly, he's a right-of-centre politician. He's not left and woke. Mm. He's the our version of Rishi Sunak, if you like. Um, people vote for them, well, for various reasons, don't they? We, we know this, but people vote for them because they don't want the, the, the Labour Party in. They'll vote, them, vote for them because they're the least crap uh, version of, of the two things which are almost identical. Uh, and we, we're at the stage now, and I'm at the stage now, where I'm telling everyone I know, right? Yes, there is going to be a, a, a sense of real pain when the, when the Labour Party come in, because they will come in. But the worst thing you can possibly do is keep the Conservative Party alive. We need to kill it stone dead. Mm -hmm. So vote for the smaller parties. Vote for Remain. Vote for SDP. I keep saying it all the time, but people just... Vote for these uh, heritage parties because their parents voted for them, because they don't want the worse option, because they've always done it, because they don't think about things, because they've never heard of the SDP, you know? So it's not just about people doing the wrong thing. It's about the smaller parties stepping up and selling themselves. Yeah, but don't, I think, don't underestimate the sheer power of the media. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. They, they are basically like... Um, if you think of this sort of society as like a, a full bottle, full of water bursting, mm. and the media is like this bottleneck 
that manages to squeeze through just acceptable things, you mm. know? And there are people around this bottleneck who actually control it. I mean, and that's increasingly the feeling that I get, you know, in all of our countries, actually. I mean, you have to remember, Ireland, of course, hasn't had as long to deal with all the stuff as we've had. So there, it's still many people are still beginning to learn about all of this mm. stuff. And they're because they've got the entire apparatus of the state working against them. Mm. It's the government, it's the media, it's the institutions. So there's actually, there are very few places, if you're not on Twitter, uh, there are very few places you actually can get mm. access to the reality of what's mm. happening. And it takes a long time for this message to seep through the wider population. That's one of the reasons that this is happening. Uh, but Varadka, I say he's not even Richard Sunak. I mean, Varadka is economically a neocon mm. and he's socially liberal, mm. which is the polar opposite of actually what the voter wants. Yeah, because <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 yeah. the voter wants SDP and reform. You mm. know, it's this thing about controlling the narrative, isn't mm. it? And, mm. and the media and the blob and the politicians control the narrative. It, it's, it's, it's pulling that apart. It's, it's unknotting it and letting people see what the reality is. I think most people know what reality is. And, and I think most people actually know what the media are doing. Not all, sure, but a lot of people do. And yet they still go back to the same old, same old. And it's funny because Sinn Féin, I think 75% of Sinn Féin voters mm. want migration stopped or paused yes, or yeah, in some, some capacity yeah. or other. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of which, obviously, as we well know, is that last week they came out just before, just before our late last show. We, we, you know, we, we missed it because we recorded it early. Um, 768,000 net. Right. Um, and then... 2022 was revised upwards, wasn't it? Mm. That was the previous record. Yeah. Um, so w whether record or not, you're talking basically about three quarters of a million people, mm. right? Every year. Right? And they, you, one's being softened up actually to accept this. Isn't it? Um, there was a poll out by GB News, not by GB News, sorry, they quoted it, sorry, uh, saying, I think, would it Matt Matthew Goodwin. Goodwin's? Um, saying that 53% of British people mm. now want mm. a complete halt mm. to migration. Not mass migration, not this, not that, a complete halt mm. to migration. Um, are they going to get it? No. Um, people want a halt for five years, don't they? That, that, that's the first thing. Well, that's what they were asked. Yeah, yeah that's what they were I asked. I imagine yeah. quite a few of those yeah. probably would say, actually, make it forever. Well, this is, this is the point I'm trying to make. So if we, if we have a halt in, in migration for five years, what does that five years mean? Do we go back to astronomical levels on, on, on January no. the 1st of year six? No. The, 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 the five year, if it does happen, is the first stage of a complete reset, a complete conceptual change that essentially eradicates mass immigration. Um, but it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, the only party putting forward this as a serious proposal is the SDP, mm -hmm. where it's longer than five years. I mean, it really ideally needs to be a generation. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember, you know, in America from the 1860s to the, so from the 1920s to the to 1960s, 1970s was the greatest period of, mm. of cultural unity. It was the golden age of America. And that's because they had almost no immigration mm. because they had vast amounts of immigration mm. in the late 19th century from, uh, Eastern, from Europe and Eastern Europe and from, from China and so forth. And then they needed that time mm. to breathe as some breathing space to absorb. We need to do precisely the same thing, but there's simply no appetite for that amongst the governments uh, and all the political parties 
aiming for that. And of course, five years is in and of itself too short a period no, of time. Yeah. I mean, we've had more, de- more immigration last year than in the post-war period. Mm. 1945 mm. to 2000, we had more immigration last year than that, that entire mm. period. It's quite astonishing to think mm. of it in those terms. We need to have a much larger breathing space. But the, the issue is, even when you de- 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 debate this with people like the, the new conservatives, mm. this new grouping of Tory MPs mm. who think that they're plugged into what the Red Wall think, mm. they're talking about, oh, 200,000 immigration. Or, or, mm-hmm. it's, it's an astronomical We number. need to get it back to what it was. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have it in the tens of thousands, mm. that was the original mm. late 20th 50. century level. Mm. 50. Yeah. I mean, uh, basically, aren't Labour saying 200,000 mm. as well, I think? They've suddenly, they're outflanking the Tories mm. from the right. <laughs> but, I mean, now this is considered to be, this is, would be considered to be more, as they put it, Labour put it, more normal numbers. Yeah. It's, it's not, not normal. normal. It's, it's not. Spin. It's a quarter of a million people. Well, it's one point. Two million gross. So even yeah. though they've, uh, even though they've been a, a revised the net figures, the gross figure is still the same. One point two million people have come in the last year out of a population, population of seventy million. But do you know take long. For- but do you know what's really depressing about the whole thing? If for some reason it did happen, it's not going to happen. But if it did happen, imagine how um, the people in power, imagine how the Remainers, imagine how the radical left, imagine how they would respond to it, you know? It'd, oh. be, like, it'd be like Brexit on steroids. Yes, yeah, so you know? Brexit would so, seem like a picnic. Yeah, yeah. so it would, be, it would be completely sabotaged at every level and, and lefty lawyers and, and all the rest of it. So mm. if it did happen, it'd all be, almost be more depressing because you would just see society just completely disintegrate. But you mentioned a good point about Brexit, because, you know, mass migration has been the greatest act of national harm, the Mm. single biggest issue, Mm. far more consequential to this land than Brexit or the Mm. EU. And yet we never had a referendum. We never had a vote on any of that. And there should be, of all issues, this was the question over which there should be a referendum. And I think someone that should actually, a party should actually call for a referendum on this issue. I think it'd be such a huge vote winner if reform called for a referendum and we know the results of that referendum would be even greater yeah. than the vote for Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to me as if this is surely something which someone needs to grab the grab. And, and it really, it really would be an era-defining moment. We talk about all these things as era-defining moments. You know, if if a conflict in the Middle East can tear our our society, the fabric of our society in two, imagine what a referendum a referendum on mass immigration would do. Well, you say it's to tear it in two, but at the same time, I think I think we've agreed that. This, what's happened in the Middle East and the way in which it's played out on our streets mm. has woken people, people up. up. They're yeah. not quite even sure why many mm. people, mm. I think, but they, they know that something is, is not, this is not right, mm. actually. This, mm. is, this is not, this is entirely alien to us, and they're quite right. I mean, I think your point, I was actually about to make the same point, actually. Reform, reform are missing a trick, actually, because reform have got this policy called zero net migration mm. and they think i think um that basically they said it for example at our conference mm. in immigra- immigration didn't they? they think that even just the word zero is going to kind of you know bring people on board but you know what that means net zero mm. migration you yeah. know we all yeah. know what yeah. it means yeah. it means yeah. one in one out so essentially it means you can have two million in mm. two million out mm. fine but that, that means that actually their proposals are, are twice as bad as labor's yes, yeah, because we've exactly. had 500,000 yeah. li or 600,000 yeah. leave yeah, so exactly. their, their net zero is actually 500,000 mm. the best thing that it's could a equivocation happen. but it's equivocation on the worst possible terms but the best thing they could do is they could actually just uh well how should i put it 
pay homage to the STP mm. or something and just take that policy, mm. as you say, you said referendum, or just have this, make it, you know, we're going to have a zero mig mass migration for this amount of time. And honestly, they would go, they, you know, because people are putting a lot of faith into mm. reform now. Mm. I know you just notice it online, mm. you know, they're saying, oh, reform, yes, reform. Do you know what they're proposing with this mm. most important issue? Mm. You know, and that's the problem. But I mean, one thing, is it, you know, one thing one should maybe be optimistic about is uh, there was a piece in the Telegraph today, for example, uh, saying about how the, the elites, not that we should care about, we have to care because they're so powerful, um, even they are seeing their kind of orthodoxies crumble mm. about migration. And I think that there is something happening, isn't mm. there, on this front. So we shall certainly be um, chronicling it, I think, as it goes on. Mm. Rafe, thank you very, very much indeed. Thanks very much for it. And um, on that note, we shall see you next week. In the meantime, do have a, a good week, won't you? Bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.